quiet. Time for a start show. Trouble defeat, audience. Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords, ladies, non-binary, multi-form constructs, and others. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely, for you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multi-planar empire of Voladros and the Wathens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Zwarfinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty-Sided Theatre. Dancing lights! This episode is a rather special one, my beloved audience. You see, my 216th birthday now looms large, and in preparation for such an important event as my birthday, please allow me to reacquaint you once again with Scartalia's own insufferable bastards. Imanon Shinuda, who serves the Empire as Grand Weaponsmith and Third Hand of the Emperor. He also fills the posts of President and Spokesman for the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation. This mummified human wizard is ever accompanied by the Greater Cadaver Collector, a 12 ILDM high golem made of grave soil and headstones. And who can ever forget Imanon's special skeletal kitty, his familiar Bastet? Do not believe for one second, Bard, that my eternal war on foodstuffs has ended simply because I have accepted that the fluid within Alcanuts can be used to fuel my Bunsen burners and other weapons of the sciences. The terrible, towering Maldreth the Impious, the ogre-blooded patriarch of the Church of War. Dedicated to Makar, father of strife. Are we still on that god's forsaken island with all the penguins? If so, how many more of them do I need to sacrifice on my altar before the rest fall in line and convert to Makarism? Dark brother Smid Kaltrops, the half-bear monk. He also serves as president of Bear Industries, a shapeshifter of insurmountable strength and speed. These Alconuts are okay, I guess. But the sandy earth of this plane really isn't all that good for my specialty bear grasses. But maybe if I convince Maldreth and Imanand that I want to declare a war on sand, 
They'll build me an aqua-generative farming system. Steve the Chameleon Pie Rabbit. Thoroughly odorless, colorless, and deadly. First thing I do when we get back to that Scartalia place is I'm starting an alkanut farm. This is delicious. Issa Featherfoot. Pengonquin Princess, a seven ILDM tall shapeshifting penguin assassin. She is currently attended by her faithful and oft missing bodyguard, the mysterious Tuxedo Beak, and a raggedy homeless penguin called Luok Erwaka. Hey Luok, have you seen Tuxie? He's usually about three feet behind me and slightly to the left. I'm not sure, Lady Featherfoot. Despite Master Sorfinde's description, it's usually quite easy to find Master Beak. Meh, I'm sure he'll turn up at some point. Thrimlock Lenanian, a blindfolded elf sorcerer with a blackened potato perched upon one shoulder and a Frankenraven on the other. He is also attended by his minions, Torea Marsvale, an undead paladin, and Sir Gnome, his faithful gnome skeleton valet. Come along, Torea. You too, Lorimar. Uh, and Sir Gnome, I guess. Yes, Lord Thrimlock. Yes, Master. And Morton... <clears throat> Morton... I can't actually read his surname, but that's mostly because I simply refuse to learn the dwarven alphabet. A new addition to our team forced upon us by the Empire's Fairness and Equity and Representation Council, this dwarf mage has, sadly, proven too useful to sacrifice to our various and voracious deities. At least not yet. Now, Morton, are you by any chance related to... No, my family has nothing to do with the onion magnates of Leak Creek. My clan made all their money in salt mining. And last, but certainly not least, yours truly, the illegitimable Romande Zwarfinde, bard in extraordinaire, beloved of quintillions, he who has been tickled by the rosy fingers of dawn. Get on with it, bard. An elven bard of pan-dimensional acclaim. But you already knew that, didn't you? Oh, noble members of my beloved audience, please do recline upon your gilded seats. Liberally quaff your libations, inspire your pharmacoy, and adjust your listening devices that you may thoroughly enjoy your evening at the Twenty-Sided Theatre. The rhythm of everyday life has settled in on Penguidice Island in the past few weeks. Your days are easy, and your nights are even easier. Nevertheless, the concerns of the planes wait for nobody, and you have been slowly and methodically planning your return to Sandeskar and the defense of the Emperor. During one such gathering in the captain's cabin of Thrimlock's polycosmic ship, your schemings and deliberations are interrupted by a knock on the door. Uh-oh! We weren't expecting visitors, were we? I was expecting the opposite of visitors. I expected everybody within a mile's radius to flee, for I have spread Father Makar's commandments to the penguins of this island, 
and the commandment against interrupting a diet of church officials is one that carries amongst the lengthiest of penances. Then I'd better shift my color pattern to match the sable and cerulean cross-patching of the wallpaper in here. If whoever's at that door doesn't know not to interrupt us, it must be someone not worth talking to. So let's give them someone not worth talking to. Sir Gnome! Yes, Master? Go open the door and show whoever's on the other side the sharp side of your tongue. Yes, Master. Right away, Master. But I don't have a tongue, sharp or otherwise. You took it as part of a ritual that forever bound us together. Ugh, right. Well, let's see here. Anybody have a spare knife? Well, a razor-sharp throwing fix with a copper rose in its mouth suffice, Master Wananian. As with everything you penguins do, Tuxedo Beak, that'll be barely good enough. Sonome! Take this razor fish and put it into your mouth so you can get rid of whoever's out there pounding on my door. That's lawful. Sir Gnome crosses the room and throws open the door, only to be forced violently aside as an elf of middling height dressed in plain but finely made peasant's clothes romandily sweeps into the room. The elf stops short of your table, strikes a pose for a moment, then bows and introduces himself. I bear greetings to Sorvinde's insufferable bastards of southwestern Scotalia. My name is Aurelia Harvest Heart, and I'm here on behalf of my cousin, Parmande Mokafinde, the most famous pig farmer in all of Acoustica. His only daughter, Sismonde, is turning 216 years old in half a month, a very important milestone in the life of an elf. And since our strict local tradition forbids the birthday girl from performing at her own party, we simply cannot hire the Red Hand Minstrel Assassins as we usually do. So, Mulcafinde Catherine was thinking that since y'all are sort of rivals to them, would y'all like to play the gig instead? Upon hearing this news, Romande pulls up from his seat at the planning table. All these years, the Acoustican Assembly of the Rotunda has been hiring the Red Hand for the traditional Acoustican Suite 216? And now they want me to play for Isriana's? No. No! I, I'm not taking any part in this! <laughs> Your bard casts his cloak of charisma over his face as he charges headlong out the door, whimpering like an evil gnome who's about to be turned into a skeleton and forced into unending servitude by some irresponsible blindfolded portalmancer. Should I go after him, Martha? I've cried like that before, though I may be able to help console Master Thorfinde. Uh, but I suppose it's still a good idea for you to leave the room, Sonome. Let me just prepare a quick gateway. Wait. Hold your seahorses for just one second. This guy sent Romande into a pouty rage just by asking him to play a show. I say we accept, if only to force the bard into it. 
Well, when you put it that way, I accept. Hold on a second. None of you have the cunning dwarven business sense to ask the most obvious questions. What does it pay? Where is it? And when is the gig? Ah, yes. The party will be held up in Acoustica, in the deep north of Scatalia. Y'all must learn a single very important song to be played at a very specific time during the party. We'll pay you the red hand standard rate of ten gold pontillos, three questions answered by our swamp prophetess, and one item of interest for each of you what performs on stage. Oh, and uh, the instruments we want you to use are hitched up in my wagon in the stables. The party will be held on the second day of the first week of the month of the later harvest. Hmm, the deep north of Scartalia, you say? According to my scryomagical monitoring systems, something wrong has happened up there. The very fabric of reality seems to be stretched somehow, possibly laying bare the Heideggerian fibers of Dasein. Oh, right. About that. There's been something tearing up the countryside, something fierce, about 15 miles north of the furthest garrison. Usually takes about 10 days to get between Acoustica and Oakvale, but that strange, variable landscape is stretching it closer to 16 or 20 lately. As much as I want to annoy Romande, we still need to plan out our return to Sandiskar. That Emperor guy's been pretty insistent lately with all those distress calls of his. What a wuss. Rumble agree with Bear. Froggle already defeats stupid Bard and him stupid loot. Froggle need new challenge. Froggle want to be king of Emperor. You'd best become the king of Shut the Hells Up. We have a perfect opportunity here, not only to defeat Romande, but to humiliate him in front of his entire family. This is a once-in-a-few-lifetimes opportunity that I refuse to let pass me by. Hey, Aurelier, what's up with all the shuffling of your feet and the perspiration? Is there something else that's on your mind? Ah, well, um... Well, y'all didn't hear this from me, but you might not want to take this gig. There have been all sorts of death threats and mysterious notes demanding that nobody play and that the party be cancelled. Well, we proud Acousticans refuse to give up our ancient northern traditions just to appease some anonymous southern carpetbagger. But y'all might want to think twice before you accept. Whatever, elf. All I hear you say is that a new community of sapients needs the unholy protection of the Warfather. Furthermore, the Penguin is correct. This opportunity to humiliate the Bard in his hometown in front of his neighbors and relations must not be squandered. 
Sounds like it's decided then. I'll just open up a gateway to Acoustica and we can be on our way. Huh. Uh, that's the first time this has happened to me, I swear. Usually I'm great at portaling. Maybe the runes in my mind were out of alignment or something. I'll just center myself again and make another gateway! I told you, Catheran. Something has broken the lands north of the furthest garrison. Squares have 89 degree angles, yet their sides are still parallel. Triangles have four corners that each measure 66.7 degrees, yet you can still get a straight line if you cut them all up and lay them out. Kills loom in the distance, but you can never reach them until you're suddenly climbing up the steepest incline on the whole mound. I do declare that landscape is pure chaos. Ugh, fine. But I'm a car's weightiest warhorse. Maybe I'll be plane-shifted, as close to Acoustica as the Warfather deems appropriate. Whoa! This place is kind of cool. A little rustic, but it looks like there's a bunch of construction out near the edge of town. Plus, the salty smell of the sea air takes me back to my childhood, deep in the mines with my grandmother. So, where are we? We're back in Oakvale, Morton. It looks like Makar wants us to travel the whole 16 days in order to get to Acoustica. At least this gives me an opportunity to gather a suitable retinue of Shenouda brand embalmed necromages, now with radioactive decay. Hmm. 35 irradiated mummies ought to make an appropriate impression for the grand weaponer of Voladros and the Uyadens. I shall return once my attendants have been assembled. Well, if Imminent gets to wander away, then I'm going to my private room at the Frozen Summit Crossplaner Bar and Grill. Call me when you're ready to leave. Good idea. Everybody take an hour or so to get ready for a 16-day journey, and we'll meet back at the frozen summit to set out. Ready? Break. The 20-sided theater is brought to you by a generous grant from the Children's Terrorization Workshop, a bribe to the Discorporation for Public Propaganda, and the rampant extortion of viewers like you. Tonight's episode is brought to you by the letter F, the letter ING, and the number PI. And now, Back to our program. Over the next two hours, the party disperses, packs, reconvenes, and piles their various belongings into a sturdy cart. It not cart, boys. It wagon. Ruggle King of Wagon! Fine. It wagon. It is a wagon. In either case... The Scottalian countryside stretches lazily out before you, exposing its fertile belly like an unspayed house cat on an expensive rug. Gross. Anyway, while we've got this wagon carrying all of our goods and supplies, I'm going to take the opportunity.
opportunity to practice that special birthday song that Aurelia wants us to play. And which instrument will you be abusing while you practice, Steve? I'll be playing percussion with and on my tail. People ah. have a racket down. Some oh. people are trying to Phew. sleep. Master Summit, you scared me half to death. Oh, oh, hey, guys. What are we doing all the way out of here on the road to the furthest garrison? Hasn't anybody taught you how rude it is to hide under a pile of baggage? Makar has a special punishment for those who unwelcomely stow themselves in baggage compartments. Yeah, but Makar has a special punishment for everybody and everything, including a special punishment for people who have yet to earn any sort of punishment. Ah, I'm glad to hear that my sermons are finally beginning to make an impact, Lady Featherfoot. Now... Your parents for not understanding the holy commandments of war up until this point. What is that racket? Well, since Steve was practicing that song that's causing Romande such discomfort, I thought I'd pull off Sonome's arms and hammer the tune out on his ribcage. Isn't that right, Sonomophone? Yes. Shut up, Sonomophone! You're only supposed to be making musicy sounds, not talkity sounds. Now hold still while I hammer you with your humoral lesser tubercules. I think that's what that is. Yes, ma. I mean, um, blingle blonk, blinkity blonk. That exhibition of musical prowess was perfectly terrible, Catheran. So I'd wager that the hicks from my hayseed of a hometown will love it. The sweetest music comes from the dying screams of Makar's many enemies, but that is difficult to reproduce on stage. So I shall play the second most pleasing music to the father of war. The rhythmic chain. I think we need more low end in this song. I've been eyeing this upright bass for a while, and it might just be the stone to drop in this soup. Odisa, how will you play the bass when you've got flippers and not fingers? Duh. I'm gonna play slap bass. Still doesn't explain how you're going to finger the neck. Nobody has explained why we've left your tongue attached to your mouth, either dwarf. So you might consider ceasing such useless lines of questioning, or else I'll ask Vroggle to finger your neck as he sings that terrible song about orc footwear. Me love that song. Oh, shoe made out of shut, shut, up, shut, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. All bodies ams critork. Indeed. Yet none will be able to criticize the horrifying tentacles of sound that emanate from the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation's newest product, the Sonic Amplifier Distorter Delayer Enhancer Nullifier Echo Generator and Reclamation Device. But in order to make my commercials shorter, my tireless team of marketing ghouls has condensed the machine's title to its acronym, the Saddener Box. How does your amplifier box thingy work, Eminon? I'm glad you asked that, Chameleon. 
One simply takes a naked copper wire and attaches it to both instrument and saddener using the magic of soldering. Behold, as I solder this wire onto this base lute. Now, with a judicious casting of minuscule lightning, a spell which I acquired from that windbag of a wizard in that burning, splattered blue robe, my electrified bass and I are prepared to rattle your very bones. Ah, then it is time for Morton Salzgeld of the Dry Basin Clan to reveal that all this time he has secretly been a master timbrinist. Hey, do you guys uh, want to jam while we travel? I mean, a little practice before the big show couldn't hurt. Well, let's see here. Imanon. You seem to know your fretting well, and your senses of timing and tempo are impeccable. I would expect nothing less from the hands of a master surgeon slash mechanist. Issa, you're doing fairly well, but you need to play something other than bar chords and open notes. Now, Steve, ham boning is never an acceptable replacement for a proper instrument. That being said, you keep a beat well, and the people of my hometown will appreciate the simplicity of your instruments. Father Maldreth, I do not wish to incur any more of your penances, so I shall tell you that what you are doing with that chain is acceptable in public. Morton, you play averagely, or somebody who plays the tambourine. Grimlock Katharan, you could not carry a tune in a bucket. Furthermore, if you cease pounding upon the sonomophone so hard, it will cease falling apart on you. Now that you have your individual critiques, it's time for the group as a whole. On a scale of 1 to 10, I give you a 3.7. That's below average, so I assume that the yokels of Acoustica will be unable to tell the difference between the noises that you're all making and proper music. You keep up your band practice until you're within earshot of the furthest garrison, at which point you wisely pause. After a brief stop to resupply, you resume both your travels toward Acoustica and the sounds that Roman Day is refusing to call music without exaggerated air quotes. Farmhouses dot the hills around you for the first few miles beyond the furthest garrison. But after a while, something begins to feel off. I don't think that the sun has spudged in the past several hours. I believe you are correct, Miss Pyrobot, and I'm pretty sure we've passed this particular hill atop a tree before. Hill atop a tree? What the fuck is going on here? Oh, oh, I see it now. That's weird. There's a tree sitting on the plain, and then there's a hill perched upside down, somehow perfectly balancing on the topmost branches of the tree. The top of the hill looks pretty smooth, though, as if someone used a spatula of godlike proportions to move the whole pile of earth from its natural place to this exceedingly odd position. 
Sir Novophone, have you been leading us in circles again? Blinkity Blonk, no master, Blonk. Indeed, Lord Frimlock, the road has been straight as the trunk of a cypress tree ever since we passed that village which touted itself as the only bend in the highway for the next 23.7 leagues. I vow by the sanctity of Father Makar's two shattering axe that someday soon I shall tear down that village, straighten up the road, and establish an academy for wicked fellows that the youth of Scotalia may grow up beneath the terrifying umbra of Makar's sheltering shield. Hmm. the Unintelligible may once have written about such a phenomenon as this long ago. Even the most accomplished scholars cannot be fully certain, though, due to his poor grammar, liberal use of made-up symbols, and woefully inadequate penmanship. In any case, if my interpretation of his texts is accurate, then we may have been traveling within a background loop for the past several hours. We are most likely making progress, but with our points of reference skewed, we cannot be certain. You hear that, Lady Fellowfly? I do, Tuxie. It sounds like a human, a young one. I think she's been within earshot since the first time we passed that tree with the hill on top of it. Well, we should probably go over there and calm her down. Or whatever it takes to shut her up. Come on, Tuxy. Get one of your razor fish ready, just in case. The party breaks away from the road and heads over toward the tree. As you draw closer, you can clearly see a young woman sitting in its branches, weeping softly into her hands. Some of you recognize the woman from the Action Town Criers and their nightly news sprightcasts. She is known as the Wiz, spelled with a little heart over the eye. She usually wears a cheery white and red harlequin suit, but now she seems to be wearing black and maroon instead. Detect magic! Oh, that girl is more infused with arcane energies than Imminent is with radiation. since that stupid glowing ball talked to me, and then the stupid thing with the lobster's breath happened, and and, and I don't want to be no red magus or no circle iron stars no more. Do The young mage comically oversized tears, which fall heavily to the grass at the base of the tree, seeming to gain in volume as they fall. The comedy ends with a splash 
as the pig's bladder-sized teardrop makes contact with the grass, a fan of fishtails sprouts from every conceivable point on the salty orb. Within seconds, the ball of fishtails has sprouted a long, squid-like tentacle and begun to swim through the fluid medium of the air. Oh, Lady Featherfoot! That six-aisle-diam diameter ball of fishtails looks positively scrumptious. We ran out of mermaid jerky a long time ago, so I hope this thing will make just as good of a traveling snack. Come on, boys. Let's go bring that ball of fishtails down. All the better to batter it up and dunk it into boiling hot oil. But however will we get all the way up to it? The beast is flying around at the level of the tree's top. Simple. We're gonna have to jump and surreptitiously cast fly on ourselves before we do so. Now, get your beaks up for flying penguin attack pattern Delta. Issa and her two followers gather their legs and spring surprisingly high into the air before their spell of flight takes over, only to be violently slapped aside by the flailing fish tails. The penguins scatter across the air like bowling flapping their flippers wildly as they try to regain control of their momentum. Ha! That's what you get for surreptitiously trying to cast a flying spell, you abominable penguins! As for you, mister, uh, miss, uh, well, let's just use the elvish for this one, since I don't want to be insensitive and get the monster's gender wrong. As for you, old Festwa, for slapping my penguin friends around, you get a prismatic eye! And let's also quicken some delayed blast fireballs to stuff into this giant maraca that I just made out of my broken Sonoma phone. Now go! Try to get that thing's attention, Sir No Maraca. Yes, Master. But I still can't Shut up, see Sir anything. Shut up, Sir No Maraca. Froggle, will you do the honors and throw Sir Grenade here at the ball of fishtails up there? Froggle King of Honors! Froggle King of Throw! Throw! The bundle of plate mail, gnome bones, and fireballs sails through the air, striking the monster and lodging amongst its many tails. Moments later, the whole area is filled with rushing heat and force and twisted bits of metal and fragments of Cerno. I... I think I'm okay, Master. Can I please have some help putting myself back together now? You most certainly may not, Sir Grenade. Not only do you make a terrible musical instrument, but now you've gone and ruined that set of enchanted dwarven plate mail that I gave you. I think you should spend a little time disassembled so you can think about what you've done. Yes, Martha. Come, spirit of the sweet wind. Let us wend our way round to the far side of the tree that we might outflank our foe. Between the penguins in the air, our companions over here, and us over there, the beast will have nowhere safe to flee. While Terea and Spirit of the Swift Wind get into position, I'll climb up this tree. The better to seize this opportunity and sneak attack. That thing is pretty far up there. I'm not sure I'll be able to reach it without jumping from the tree with a hill on top of it. Also, what in the hell is that thing? 
It is a Chichimek, an unwanted abomination resulting from the copulation of an elder elemental with a god. I studied them long ago, you see, before I had attained full tenure at the Imperial University of All Knowledges. Given the squidly arm and the fish tails, I would wager that at least one of this being's progenitors had a strong connection to the plane of water. Fish god? Like the one we killed way back in the water temple when we accidentally time traveled 16,000 years backward to Brext? No, not at all like that horrendous thing. That being was a member of the species Homo Pisces, which had somehow consumed the magics of the Temple of Oom in an attempt to apotheosize itself. The Chichimek, on the other hand, was born this way. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna climb this tree, then, so I can jump off if the monster flies close enough. Technically, this organism is swimming. Whether liquid or gas, most particles at the proper temperature and pressure follow the laws of fluid dynamics. If a being is moving freely through a fluid medium, then it must be swimming. Fuck you, Mr. Know-It-All. Also, shut up. You're gonna scare the Chichimek away. Let me hide in this tree and pee. Please. As the bear loses his balance and falls out of the tree, the terrifying Aquan demigod flies straight upward. How can it fly straight upward when there's this inverted hill sitting on top of this tree? Fine. The terrifying Aquan demigod flies diagonally upward, paralleling the slope of the inverted hill. Oh, Mark, that's moving. Quick, everyone attack while it's focused more on movement than self-defense. Despite a lightning-fast assault of beaks and knives, the Chichimek retreats for 200 ILDMs, at which point it begins flying circles around a medium-sized cloud. With each completed circuit, the cloud cinches and contracts a little farther until the water molecules are so compacted that it cannot hope to maintain its gaseous form. The entire cloud hurtles downward in one enormous blob of liquid, hitting the ground and thoroughly drenching everybody in the party. Instead of seeping into the ground to join the water table, though, the wrung-out cloud gathers itself back together, forming a vaguely humanoid shape that towers a good six ILDMs over Maldrath. That's one tall glass of water, all right. It would have to be. I am as tall as the trees and as old as the seasons, after all. So that elder water elemental must be... Trees plus six ILDMs tall, if we wish to be precise. Oh, great. Now we've got another monster to deal with. Oh, well. At least this one's on the ground while the other one is... Hey, where'd the big ball of fish go? It must have turned invisible, as godlike beings are wont to do. Especially 
hideous, unwanted beings such as this one. Well, I was going to perform a ballade to inspire your courage, but now I simply refuse to go on stage with my wardrobe in its current sodden state. I'm going to find a bush to do some secret elf things behind. And when I come back, I expect both of these monsters to be dead and a fresh costume to be laid out for me. Ugh, elves. Can't live with them. And a long-ass time ago, the Empire would have died without them. I heard that, dwarf. Nah, that's actually pretty close to an ancient elven phrase that roughly translates to suffer not a dwarf to live. Just for that, Thrym, I'm going to see if I can get the aim just right, so that when I cast transmute fish tails to fish guts, you get splattered with cod livers! I think you meant that you were casting polymorph, Morton. Shut up, voice! I'll cast whatever spells I want to! Maybe next time, I'll research how to cast embody voice so I can kick your ass! Looks like you really into the whole offensively defensive vibe that sore thin days insufferable bastards are known for across the plains, Morton. <sighs> Either way, this unwanted, unloved, semi-divine bastard is mostly immune to shape-changing effects. Instead of turning the ball of fishtails inside out, You've merely reversed the direction that the fish are facing. Fortunately, you're all able to see this, so that means that the Chichimek is no longer invisible. Ew! That fish king is staring at me! I don't know. I kind of like it when I can see the face of whatever it is I'm eating. Especially if it's a fish face. You know, fish eyes can add an excellent texture and taste to an otherwise mediocre pudding. If we happen to have any. Lua. You're the most magical penguin in my retinue. I want you to immediately start researching a spell to transmute fish eyes to tabioca. Mmm, sounds tasty. Right away, Lady Featherfoot. Uh, Roggle still want to feed big ball fish thing, but even me no stupid enough for want be king of fish. Roggle leave that. Awkward man. You not so dumb sometime, Husbord. Awkward man and half human. So him perfect and dorked it for be king of fish. Way better than Awkward Him no even can swim. Ahem. Excuse you, orcs. I believe I am king of fish. Gods, I hate this party sometimes. Hate us all you want, voice. Once the dwarf has researched his spell of embodification, I fully intend to use it that I might inflict the heaviest of penances upon you. Hey, Maldreth, you might want to stop barking at me and, you know, turn around and look toward that tree over there. Why? All that's in that direction is the Elder Water Elemental. <laughs> oh, I love it when these guys get sucker punched. Well, especially by elementals. I am severely displeased. Fortunately, I know how the laws of physics work on an infinite level, and with the divine power of the Father of War flowing through me, shall I be able to force this water elemental to summon it. Oh boy! Maldreth, I don't think that worked quite the way you intended it to. 
Indeed it did not. Maldreth, you fucking idiot. You've just transmogrified this being from an elder water elemental into an elder hydrogen oxygen plasma elemental. I didn't say I was displeased with the elemental. Besides, Father Makar gives fewer demerits to any cadet who hobbles himself or increases the challenges opposing him. Oh boy! We gotta find a way to take out those monsters! Fortunately, the power of the world can be carefully channeled in order to restore the balance of Mother Nature's internal humors. And so, I'm gonna banish this plasma elemental back to the plane of deep space where it belongs. The druid of the frozen summit holds his birchwood staff aloft, threading the invisible strands of creation through the looped eye of his stick weaving through the air, enveloping the superheated elemental. Still pulls the threads of his spell tight, squeezing gently at first, but with rapidly mounting force until the shapeless beast slips away through a crack that exists between the right angles of five-dimensional space-time. And that's how you get rid of an unwanted elemental. Now, if you want to keep them from coming back, I suggest you put a ring of salt around your property line. Any druid worth his salt knows that the elementals hate assault. This has gone on for far too long. That young woman is filled to the eyes with the power of Mayase, the mother of weapons, and I haven't had the slightest chance to study her. Therefore, I must incapacitate the Chichimek with a quickened lightning bolt. Age or anything, but don't you usually cast quicken versions of spells as secondary actions in Manon? Indeed, I do, Steve. I have been using the intervening moments to prepare a Wheel of the Banshee to pin this new specimen in place until my retinue of irradiated necromages can properly secure it and return the sample to my private workshop beneath the swamp pyramid of Mayase. Ah, look, they're already erecting a gateway. It is always good to see the Shinuda Necromancy Corporation's reclamation procedures being followed so faithfully. What is that sound? Who cares about the sound? I'm more worried about the sperm whale that's plummeting from the sky. Ibanon's death whale hits the Chichimek squarely in the face. Since it's got about 3,000 faces, it's bound to have hit at least one squarely. Anyway, the two bodies find themselves tangled up in an inelastic collision, with momentum pulling them inexorably toward the ground. Dust settles. You can see Imanon's 35 necromages erecting the final components of a makeshift portal and preparing to drag the Chichimek through it. Meanwhile, the party takes the time to soothe any bruises and take stock of the situation. Just as Romande is returning from his secret elf things behind a big rock, the Wiz hops down from the tree and strolls up to the party gawking all the while at the six-foot diameter ball of fish heads and the beached sperm whale lying on top of it. Wow, that thing was in my eye? Jeez, 
Maybe I ought to take Pally a little more seriously when she gives all those sermons about the holiness of hygiene or whatever. Oh, hey, uh, Mr. Blindfold? Now that you guys have helped me out with that little bit of distress, could you help me get back to Sandiscar? I'm kinda afraid to ask the mummy or the ogre priest. Yeah, sure, whatever, kid. Gateway. Now go away before I send Sun home with you. But if you fend me with her, master, then how will you play me as a musical instrument for Master Thorfinde's sister's birthday party? Shut up, Sir Shrapnel! Yes, master. Thanks, Mr. Blindfold. I hope your musical instrument gets better at playing itself. Bye-bye! Oh, wait, crap! I forgot to get Robot Day's autograph! No! Once the portal closes and the wizard's unexamined magical nature can no longer warp the local reality, the Scotalian countryside settles back down. The tree goes back to sitting on top of the hill instead of vice versa, and you find yourselves about three miles from the Acoustican County line. Well, it's still another hour and a half beyond that to Parmonde's homestead, but it's getting late. And there happens to be a town with a charming little inn nearby. I bet it's some weird elven treehouse inn. You know, where they make you sleep on a pile of twigs or something. The sun is hovering about a hand's breadth above the horizon by the time you arrive in the hamlet of Acoustica. Your first stop in town is the Hammock Tavern and Stove, the town's only inn. Ha! Told you it'd be a weird elven treehouse inn. Look how it's suspended between those two massive oaks. Though, I've got to admire the rope work that's keeping that building up in the air like that. Oh, crap. More tree climbing? All right, everybody up. When you finally make it into the hammock, the bustle and noise of a town's only tap house falls silent, as all present patrons and staff turn to gape at the strangers who have just climbed the tree into their bar. This moment of surprise and suspicion doesn't last very long, though. one day, my sweet boy. I'll say you finally made it back home. I'm so glad to see you, son. My, oh my, you haven't grown a single reed since I saw you last. And these must be all of your bandmates to help play the traditional acoustican name day hoedown for my peerlessly beloved daughter's 216th birthday party. Oh, I have heard so much about y'all from my dear boy here. Or rather, I've heard some of those fancy operas he wrote about y'all. To be honest, they're too gaudy for my taste. But nevertheless, I am still quite proud of my son. Who is this guy? Oh, my dearest apologies, Miss Steve. I was so swept up in the return of my prodigal son that I forgot to make the proper introductions. I am Parmonde Mulcafinde, the most famous pig farmer in all of northern Scotalia. You see, our family's been raising the finest hogs in all the land ever since before the war of southern aggression. But my boy went and broke tradition and became a bard, so we threw him out without a penny to his name in the hopes that someday he'd come back having learned a valuable lesson about the sanctity of tradition and the nobility of pig farming. Wait, 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 wait. Back up. Did you just say that your son's real name is Bromonde? Indeed it is, Miss Issa. Come, perch upon these wooden seats, 
modestly sip your watered-down libations and enjoy your evening as I tell you all about the traditional acoustic naming conventions. You see, my captive audience, acoustic names concurrently describe relationships within a familial power matrix, professions, and Visit the 20-Sided Theater online at 20sidedtheater.com. You can also follow us on Twitter through scryomagical links that Imminent and I have established. You can follow the 20-Sided Theater at 20-Sided Theater, spelled with an R-E, the illiterable Romande Sorfinde at Illustrious Row, Master Imminent Shenuda at Shenuda Necroco, me, Thrimlock Lenanian at Thrimlock, Issa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot, and Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. The Twenty Sided Theatre is a joint production of Bear Industries and the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Keridwin Quatrin, Kian Quatrin, Rory Quatrin, and Tony Scarufi. With special thanks to John Abenante, Jim Coling, and Mike Solser for the use of Smid Caltrops, the Half-Bear Monk, Still Kulmanani, the Druid of the Frozen Summit, and Vrogel, King of Many Things. Tonight's episode was written by Rory Quatrin and engineered by Blake Parker. Music by Blackula Hunter, Patashu. Paulion Druska, Stephen O'Brien, and VCNG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. While you're there, Consider donating to the upkeep and production of the 20 sided theater. If you don't, you'll be forced to muck out the urinal troughs at the Frozen Summit Crossplaner Bar and Grill for the rest of your days. Join us next time at the 20 sided theater. Hello to my brother's beloved audience. I am Israel Alafinde, 
Slam Dancer Extraordinaire, here to remind you to support the arts. If my traditional acoustic upbringing is to be believed, then art is all around us. Life creates it. It makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us. It binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the arts around you, between you and me and the tree and the rock. Everywhere. Just listen to my beloved daughter as she practices her violin. Mom! Are you almost done recording this public service scrycast? Uncle Roe wants me to organize all his trousers on a color wheel this evening, and if I don't get started in the next hour or two, then I won't be able to finish before he wakes up tomorrow afternoon. Helena, who told you to stop playing? Your uncle can organize his own f***ing pants. Or if he really wants a hand with it, he can use your twin brother, Jason. He plays the spoons, after all. And if spoon playing qualifies as art, it is only barely. <sighs> yes, Mom. I'll get back to the violin. You were always the more obedient of my two children. Also, you're the one who takes after me rather than your father. So I expect more out of you than out of Jason. Honestly, when I told him to study the arts, I never expected him to take up the magical arts. I'll bet the next thing we hear about him is that he's taken up studying with that eyeless weirdo, Thrimlock. Honestly, your uncle has the worst taste in companions. Plus, I'm pretty sure that studying magic earns you a degree of sciences from all the major imperial universities. But anyway, we're supposed to be talking about the arts here, not the sciences. Here are my bandmates, the Red Hand Minstrel Assassins, to tell you about the many acceptable forms of art. Wells, first softs, use needs to studies, has to make musics. Musics is the oldest, most common forms of arts across all cultures and species. You could also study painting. The second oldest art form. Remember, if it doesn't look like what you intended, you can always just claim that your subject matter is abstract. My favorite art forms are sculpture and construction. When you've got as many hands as I do, you need way more work to keep them from going idle. Hauling massive blocks of stone or 40 ILDM lengths of truss will make sure that no devil, demon, or devious outsider can make use of your idle hands. Or you can dances. Dancing seems always fun, especially if you have extra legs like Centaur do. However, incidental percussion instruments, such as the tambourine, are distinctly neither music nor art. 
We have been the Red Hand Minstrel Assassins, reminding you to visit your local tax collector today to support all of the wonderful, imperially vetted public arts programs available in your community.